a diversion podcast in association with iHeartRadio. This is The GOAT, Serena. This is what's incredible about her. I will tell you that I was probably responsible for her loss in Miami 12 years ago because I just pushed her too hard. And I said, well, I guess I'm done. Well, I'm still here. (laughs) But the answer is she took full responsibility. And it's just incredible. I've seen so many athletes want to blame or other people, coaches that want to transfer the blame elsewhere. They don't want to shoulder it. She will shoulder it completely and will not let her team get hit. If Tom Brady decides, you know, they're, they're getting ready to play a big game and Brady says, you know, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm afraid some 300 pound guy is going to knock me down. Can you imagine the rest of the team like, what the hell? <laughs> You're not feeling it? Like, let's let's consider, like, yeah. all right, so how much are you, as a great athlete, as a top elite athlete, especially in, if you're part of a team, how much are you allowed to do that, you know? Yeah. How much can you do? Most people talk about their mental health issues after they stop playing. Welcome to The GOAT Season 2, Serena. I'm Chanda Rubin, former world number six, Grand Slam singles semifinalist and doubles champion, alongside my co-host, Zena Garrison, a former Wimbledon finalist, world number four, and Olympic gold medalist. In this podcast, part of Diversion's GOAT series, Zena and I and our guests celebrate the career and life of Serena Williams. We'll trace her path as she evolved from an outlier in the tennis establishment into the all-time Grand Slam singles champion and ultimately a cultural icon. In the first episode about Serena's longevity, the Holy Grail of Longevity Part 1, Serena's trainer, Mackie Shieldstone, shared some of the secrets that have enabled Serena to answer the physical challenges of her career. In the Holy Grail of Longevity Part 2, with the help of special guest Tennis Hall of Famer Pam Shriver and former pro Renee Stubbs, we'll explore the qualities that have enabled Serena to withstand all the strains and stresses of life at the top and the mental attributes that kept her there for such a very long time. The issue of mental health popped to the forefront of sports in the spring of 2021. The conversation was triggered by Naomi Osaka at the French Open, and it was moved forward later in the year at the Tokyo Olympics by the GOAT in gymnastics, Simone Biles. The subject has gotten a lot of attention lately. Osaka, ranked two in the world at the time, withdrew from the French Open in May after the tournament and other tennis officials refused to grant her permission to skip press conferences. In a follow-up Instagram post, Osaka wrote that she has experienced anxiety and suffered long bouts of depression after her win over Serena in the controversial 2018 U.S. Open final, the first of Osaka's four Grand Slam singles triumphs. The Japanese star isn't the first tennis player to admit publicly to dealing with mental health. Marty Fish, 
Andy Roddick's successor as the number one U.S. player, was ranked number seven at age 29 in late summer of 2011. But he soon began to struggle with anxiety-related problems that became so severe that at the 2012 U.S. Open, Marty withdrew from his much-anticipated fourth-round match with Roger Federer. He went public with his mental health struggles and played just 11 more matches in his career, using them as a platform to draw attention to the issue of mental health. No one knows exactly how many other lesser players have fought or currently are battling costly, bitter battles with mental health issues. But it isn't uncommon for players to take extended leaves of absence when the way of life and its pressures become hard to bear. Just ask Bjorn Borg, who was on track to perhaps become the GOAT in men's tennis when he just upped and walked away from the game in 1981 at age 25. In the cases of both Osaka and Fish, their struggles came on the heels of tremendous success. Osaka was just 21 years of age when she won the 2018 U.S. Open, as well as the next Grand Slam, the 2019 Australian Open. She repeated the feat in 2020 and 2021. Fish spent close to an entire decade on professional cruise control, enjoying life as a good pro. But as he saw his 30th birthday looming, he turned a new leaf and remade himself into an ultra-fit, totally focused force at the top of the game. His subsequent success altered his world. There's a common thread here, pressure. It's hard dealing with the weight of precedent and expectations, your own as well as those of the media and public. The higher you climb, the farther you may fall. The challenge to keep clearing the bar set by their outstanding results looms larger and larger. Yet there is the GOAT, Serena, producing at the absolute highest level, always demanding the best of herself and delivering over and over for more than two decades. Oh, there have been lapses now and then, periods where her interest in other activities and even professions seems to some to have blunted her appetite for tennis. But at the end of the day, those interests were vital to her mental and emotional well-being. If they cost her a Grand Slam title here or there, they also enabled her to accumulate more of those major titles than any other player, man or woman, in the open era and to become a cultural icon. At times, Serena has just made it easy to forget that there have been occasions in her career when the pressure really got to her. When events on or off the court have threatened and even managed to overwhelm her, when she had to endure periods of mere excellence instead of greatness. Serena's role in the mental health debate is that of the individual who has consistently found ways to navigate around or through many of the mental and emotional perils of her profession. She has lived Billie Jean King's axiom that pressure is a privilege. That phrase is something every tennis player needs to digest because in tennis, you sink or swim on your own 
forced to process the result of the day and how it affects the future every time you play. Tennis players are the ultimate freelancers, living by their day-to-day production. As television analyst Mary Carrillo's comments suggest, the NFL GOAT Tom Brady faces a different kind of pressure than any tennis player, including Serena. Sure, Brady has to answer to a team, as well as his own sense of responsibility as the team leader. But he's not fighting a lonely, private battle. He's been supported throughout his career by a web of teammates, coaches, and other professionals. A football player exists in a community. A tennis player lives on an island. One reason Serena has been able to exist on that island without her head exploding is because of her older sister, Venus. No siblings in tennis have ever enjoyed the degree of singles success that the Williams sisters have known. Tennis was a family enterprise for the Williamses from the start, and the closeness of the sisters helped both of them manage the demands of the profession, starting with the stress of having to compete against each other for the largest of prizes. Each had the best and most demanding practice partner imaginable in each other. It was a surefire formula for developing confidence and mental toughness, but also a key ingredient that not all tough tennis players possess, resilience. Andy Roddick has known the sisters since they were all youngsters, training at Rick Macy's Tennis Academy at the Greenleaf Tennis Resort. He drew an interesting parallel for us between Venus and Serena and the NFL's Manning brothers. I'll tell you this, my brother and I have gotten in fights over the last scoop at Thanksgiving. So forget like playing for titles and millions of dollars and, you know, battling egos and everything else. You know, it's funny because Venus and Serena, get, they get mentioned in the same breath. You, you think of like the Mannings, right? They were both number one draft mm-hmm. picks and you, you kind of come up with these other uh, equivalents, but they weren't like, even if you're on the other team, it's one Manning playing against a defense of the other team. They're not literally going against mm-hmm. each other. You know, they're, they're, their teams are playing each other, but they're not fighting each other. They're not, the road doesn't go through each other. You know, the, the, there was never a, they were never on the field at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Even if their teams were playing. So uh, it's a completely different dynamic. How they've pulled it off uh, is amazing. Um, and there's no kind of false representation of, of their relationship either. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they, they've been close the entire way. Uh, for more, from where I've sat, I've never seen, you know, uh, any kind of friction that's lasted more than like you're annoying me at lunch, you know? So. <laughs> You know, so it's it's actually remarkable, um, kind of the maturity that they've they've had, kind of going through this process, which is now, I mean, gosh, we were talking about '97. It's 25 years old now. Venus Williams led the way for Serena, making her Grand Slam breakthrough two full years before Serena won her first major title. But that also heightened the expectations on Serena, who had been proclaimed the better player by their father, Richard Williams. The idea that it's lonely at the top is a well-worn truism, but it has always been just a little less lonely and stressful for Serena in many ways, thanks to her supportive sister. But stress there has been, and plenty of it, especially in the later, sometimes stormy stages of her career. That explains some of the smashed rackets mortified officials, and awestruck opponents she has left in her wake. 
Serena has no compunctions about most of her outbursts. They are her way of relieving stress, as well as driving herself to do better. As Serena's longtime agent, Jill Smoller, told us, while she doesn't love it when Serena cracks a racket, she's okay with it. She knows Serena is unleashing the turmoil that she's feeling that could be blocking her path forward to a better place. The attention paid lately to mental health issues heightens our appreciation of Serena. Understanding the pitfalls shows how successful Serena has been in managing the psychological and emotional demands of her career. We're going to take a deeper dive into some of the qualities and assets that helped power Serena and obstacles that ranged from slumps to difficult opponents to injuries. But before we get too granular, I want to play a bit from our conversation with Serena's longtime agent, Jill Smoller, most of which will feature in another episode. Here's what Jill said about the expectations Serena has always labored under and her contribution to the mental health conversation. The bar is so high and she said it that way, but the expectation on her and the weight of pressure on her, I don't think there's been an individual athlete in the history of sport. And I've always said this and people can disagree. I don't feel like there's been an individual athlete in the history of sport who's had the pressure that she's had because but for winning, anything but winning is a disaster, both in her eyes and I think sometimes in the public eye. You see sort of, you know, people love to celebrate Roger, but when Serena loses, it's like a, a, a ticker on the bottom of CNN. Yeah. It's yeah. like why yeah. she she's always been held to a different standard and partly because she's created that that gap. Um, but I think, you know, that I, I don't think we talk enough about the pressure that she's had to withstand. And, you know, again, as we see all these all this mental health conversation coming up um, and, and athletes having more of a voice than that. I look back on the 22, 22, <laughs> 25 plus years, yeah. you know, Serena, Serena could never tap out. Hmm. She never chose to tap out, but she also never had the option. And I, and I say to her, like you and Venus and you have carved this path for these young athletes now to be able to say, you know what, I'm, I'm need a timeout or I'm struggling. Can you imagine, you know, uh, again, you go back the death of her sister, um, uh, two pulmonary embolisms and I don't know how many blood clots, almost dying in childbirth, all of these things. And she never submitted. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think she, I, I don't, th- I don't necessarily think she would have been given the grace uh, mm. by by others to do that. But I, I think that she's enabled and Venus has enabled this generation to be able to step out and say, I need a break or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But I don't think they were ever afforded the luxury. She's now laid the path for someone like Naomi, or like you said, Simone Biles to even talk about mental health, the way they're talking about it. I totally agree. And I think it's hard for her to see that and understand it. Because, you know, I, I think had Serena, <laughs> you know, in any of those moments that she had to go through in U.S. Open situations or any of those situations, not come and done press, not, mm-hmm. you know, again, and, it, and, it, and think about it. It may not have always been exactly what people wanted, but she showed up and she did it. 
We'll be right back with more of our conversation on the GOAT, Serena. Tennis is a small world. In an earlier episode, we heard how Billie Jean King and Rosie Casals played an exhibition match against Venus and Serena while both girls were still playing with dolls. Today, we're joined by another pair who played some exhibition tennis with the prodigies. Serena was about 12 years old when she and Venus played doubles with Pam Shriver and Renee Stubbs. Those two former pros and broadcasters for ESPN, the Tennis Channel, and the BBC, among others, join us. We'll start with Pam, who reached the singles final of the U.S. Open as a 16-year-old in 1978, but ultimately built her Hall of Fame career in doubles with regular partner Martina Navratilova. Among their many records, the team completed the only women's doubles Grand Slam. And I'm especially proud to note that Pam took the gold medal in the Olympic Games of 1988, partnered with, wait for it, my co-host, Zena Garrison. Pam, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. I think it's been uh, 13, 14 months. You were my one of my first podcasts at the beginning of the pandemic. So it's great to be back <laughs> and love to see you both sitting <laughs> next to each other. Now we get a chance to be together. And so it's even more special. And we're here, you know, talking about Serena Williams, the GOAT, 23 major titles, and, you know, we're trying to get a sense for what has made her the champion she is. And I'm curious, what were your first impressions? Well, my first awareness was when, um, I mean, I'd heard about, like, you do the names, whether it's Steffi Groff, Hingis, uh, Celis, Capriati on the women's side. Um, you know, you tend to hear about them, I would say, when they're developing in that 10, 11 years of age. And I actually had uh, the Williams sisters come up to Baltimore um, to play my charity tennis event um, with Cal and Billy Ripken, who were great Baltimore Oriole family. And we did like a sibling match. And I asked Richard if they would stay on in um, after the exhibition event, which was only a one night thing, and stay on in Baltimore for the weekend. And so they stayed for a few days and we practiced together. Mm. But, but I hit with Serena, and I was quite astounded by uh, the power. At that point, she had very little control, but I'm like, this is something else. Because I had played with a lot of, and I remembered what it was like to play in my age group, and I'd, I'd never played a 12-year-old who had that kind of power. There's a good place to start when it comes to analyzing the signature toughness and confidence of Serena. Never underestimate the importance of power. It provides a swift, simple solution to many of the problems a tennis player faces on the court. A player who can call on power to negate clever tactics and even consistency has a great foundation on which to build and sustain confidence. Power offers a player many shortcuts. It's the Monopoly card that allows you to pass go from anywhere on the board, collecting that easy $200 along the way. At the time Pam met the girls, Venus was still considered the better long-term prospect, but that would change 
thanks to the greatest weapon ever in women's tennis, Serena's serve. In the long run, as we sit here now, so many years past that time when Serena was 12, we just realized that Serena actually had better, has better assets as an athlete and I think has a more competitive mentality. Um, look, they're both unbelievable champions and all three of us would love to have, you know, a fraction of their titles and especially majors. But, but I think when we, when we think about the two of them and separate them a hundred percent, you know, Serena was just better. And you kind of did realize it by the time she won that U S open in 99, I think she was showing clear signs then when we saw her serve and what she could yeah. do at such a young age with that serve that, that started to set her apart from Venus. I actually think that when, when you think about the dominance of the greatest shot in women's tennis history, her serve, uh, I think it was during a time when overall the serves besides Serena's and, and Venus's first serve there aren't that many during the last 22 years uh, that I would say just stood out as unbelievable serves or even like a next level below Serena's serve. And I think that coaches and players and maybe even parents who were very knowledgeable realized that in women's tennis, having a great serve is vital to being a champion. I think Serena will have so many legacies in our in the sport of tennis, but I do think she made an incredible impact on women tennis players realizing they needed a better weapon. That serve, that power, were key elements in the astonishing way 17-year-old Serena decimated the high-quality field to win her first Grand Slam title at the U.S. Open. Having that weapon gave her a feeling of confidence no woman of a comparable age possessed. We asked Pam to cite some of her favorite serving performances by Serena. The first thing I thought of when you started to ask that question was, uh, I just flashed back to hundreds and hundreds of break points that she fought off with aces. Mm. Um, <laughs> or, or outright service winners where the returner could like barely tip the ball. And her ability to just pull that out at the crucial moments. Um, so it's not only, see, to me, it's obviously technique-wise, it's the greatest serve. I really want to say in tennis history, I don't even want to qualify it in women's tennis history. But it's also how she <laughs> served. It's how she served that serve in the biggest moments, yeah. which obviously is break point down at, you know, five all in the final set or whatever. And mm -hmm. she just was able to call on that shot. And I think um, that's really set the tone when she was at her best um, is, is that made the rest of her game free up and, <laughs> and she could feel, feel more relaxed. No doubt about it. Serena was off to a great start. Her first major win vaulted her over Venus into instant celebrity. But life also became a little more complicated. A knee injury forced her to miss the 2000 French Open. In 2001, she experienced that infamous incident at Palm Springs. Her interest in show business began to ramp up and, in 2001, she experienced the first serious romantic relationship of her life. 
It ended in tears when she was jilted without explanation shortly after turning 20. And here's the kicker to that experience. It triggered Serena's resolve. It made her determined to prove something, to avenge the injustice and hurt she felt. After coming up short in seven consecutive majors, she won the next four to complete the first Serena Slam. That's resilience. But there were further challenges, as well as tragedy to come. Although Serena successfully defended her Wimbledon title in 2003, she would win just one major in the next three and a half years. In the interim, her sister Yatundi was killed in a case of mistaken identity in a drive-by shooting. It sent Serena into a period she later characterized as depression. Serena's main rivals, led by Justine Ennen, appeared to be steadily gaining on her. Maria Sharapova, a 17-year-old Russian, stunned Williams in her attempt to three-peat in 2004 at Wimbledon. Serena also began to spend more time in Los Angeles, due partly to her interest in acting, buying a home there in 2006. In May of 2006, Chris Everett published an open letter in Tennis Magazine suggesting that Serena was allowing her talent to go to waste and urging her to refocus on tennis before it was too late. I'm going to go back a little bit. So when she, she came out, she you know hit the scene pretty hard, but we also knew her as maybe doing a little party in here and there and playing a matches. So Chris Ever came out with that famous you know letter basically asking her to be a little bit more professional. Like what was your take on all that? Well, I remember in 06 and 07, let's go back uh, even beginning of 08. Um, those were kind of, I think the dominant player in that era was Justine Enna. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt, uh, and a lot of us felt, that Serena had done so much already at such a young age. And um, she had her eye on some other interests, <laughs> which I'm always, like, I I think it's great when yes, players have... It gives them a balance, but it kind of went on a little bit longer. And I thought it did take away from some opportunities for her to win some majors during that time period. One match that really stands out to me that I feel like end helped started to end that era was when she beat uh, Yelena Yankovic in the finals of the U.S. Open in 08. Mm, And if you go back and see her win that title, and, and Serena's had a lot of great reactions, although for a period of her career, she was beating her sister in the major finals. So it's sort of... And we forget about that. If you go back and look at her absolute joy, relief, satisfaction, um, I think it signified the fact I love this moment and I want to have a lot more Mm -hmm. of them. I mean, I I think, you know, just to play off that, because having kind of overlapped... Um, over the course of her career. I mean, at, at certain times, it was always, okay, you have to just focus on tennis. And she and Venus, to a certain degree, kind of broke out of that mold. They, they broke out of the limitations that were so often placed on female 
tennis players in particular that, you know, you had to get it all done before you decided to start a family, before you decide to get, you know, too much into, you know, romantic escapades and you had to just be focused on your tennis. You had a certain amount of time and, you know, they seem to defy all that. And Serena in particular, you know, even now unapologetically, you know, can do it all. Like we expect her to be superwoman yeah. still because she has been able to kind of do it all over the course of her career. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, obviously she's reaching a point where, like what we saw at Wimbledon with the slip and the injury and she couldn't finish Wimbledon, uh, she's getting to a point where physically, obviously she's walking that fine line where it's almost one injury away from not being able to continue on. Mm. And that's going to be a difficult day um, for tennis, obviously for her. Um, but that's when you want to have a lot of different interests and passions in your life. Obviously, she's a she's a mother. She's a wife. She's an entrepreneur. She's got her own a venture fund, I believe. She's she's interested in business. She's interested in entertainment. So she's like a little walking mogul who happens to be the greatest female tennis player of all time. So she's really one of the most interesting people that I've come in contact with. All those interests and activities, including motherhood, clearly helped Serena maintain her mental health. In some ways, they served the function of mental self-care. How often have we been warned about being too hard on ourselves, about driving ourselves into the ground? It's a real danger for anyone in a high-risk, high-reward profession or any stressful occupation. Serena created a template for dealing with all that. She has shown great talent for moving on through different stages of her career taking breathers when she needs them. I think what has really stood out to me is Serena's record. You talk about stages. When I talked sort of about that middle between 2005 and beginning of 2008 and the commitment level dropped off. And then, but when she brought Patrick Maradoglu, sort of a, a, a high-end, experienced, motivational coach with great knowledge and experience, and accompanied first the parents as coaches as well, and then Patrick sort of took over as head coach. That really, again, elevated Serena. And I would say her record in her 30s really is what has set her apart, is just how many majors she's won, even the four major finals that she's lost since becoming a mom in the last few years and, and not getting quite yet to uh, 24. It's really set her apart how great she's been um, in the last 10 years. Now, Pam, you played alongside Martina Navratilova. You, you played you know, these all-time greats you've been talking about. Can you tell us you know, what are the, the qualities about Serena's game that makes her so, so good? Is it the, more the mental, more the physical combination? Can, can you give us a comparison? Yeah, I think, I think the greatest in any sport, it's, it's really the culmination of so many different things. Uh, it's the, it's the hunger to win. Uh, it's the willingness to be out in the biggest moments in all on your own and be able to produce. And, and that sounds like more people should be able to do that, but to be able to be Serena Williams and come up with her quality throughout the body of her entire career, in semis of majors, in finals of majors, time and time and time again. Most people can't, most, 99.9% .9 can't do that. 
obviously she's more physically gifted than just about any of us who've ever played the game. And I mentioned the serve. So by the time you put the whole thing together, uh, and I think she's become more growth mindset oriented with the help of Patrick, I think she's become more open to new ideas, how to become better in the last decade. We'll be right back with more of our conversation on The Goat, Serena. Serena's success in her 30s owes a lot to that power and confidence we spoke about earlier. Her record is littered with matches that she powered through in under an hour, keeping the mileage on her odometer low. Those 16 Grand Slam events she missed through 2021 denied her four years worth of opportunity, but they also saved her a lot of wear and tear and allowed her to recharge. Almost from the get-go, Serena was selective in the number of tournaments she played. She did not chase the money, nor risk her health, including her mental health. It's interesting to compare her approach, as well as her record, with one of the other women on the GOAT shortlist, Steffi Graf. Graf won 22 major singles titles, but she abruptly retired shortly after turning 30. So let's bring in Renee Stubbs, a former double standout and longtime broadcast analyst and sometime coach into this conversation. Stubbsy, as she is affectionately known in tennis circles, was present at Pam's Baltimore exhibition. She has also been a doubles partner for Serena. I'm going to go take you back a little bit because I knew, you you know, growing up with you, being on the tour with you, you were very good friends with another GOAT, Steffi Graf. And, you know, what, you know, without, you have to compare, but how, do you, how, how were they very similar in the way that they approach things, but also the way they beat your butt? Technically, they did beat my butt a lot. Um, but, you know, I think the thing that stands out the most, and I had the pleasure of playing doubles with all three of them in my career played with Venus and Serena at in world team tennis many times I played with Steffi a lot of times we won a couple of tournaments together is that they were so good at moving on from what just happened and there was one little story that I can tell you about Steffi you know we you know you guys know me well I carry on like an like an idiot on the court and Steffi one time laughed at me and I said what are you laughing at and she said, you, you look like an idiot. <laughs> and I, 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 she's like, let it go. And I was like, okay, whatever. You know, at the time I was like 20, I was an idiot. I was, I was young. I didn't really understand like really the context of what that meant. And then over time, clearly I, I understood that. And then when I played with Serena at one time in world team tennis, you know, she, she kind of took it seriously, but it was a little bit of a relaxed environment for her considering. And, uh, you know, she was kind of having fun in this one set. And then we got to the mini tie break and we really had to win this set for our team. And she looked at me this with this face and she's like, and you could just tell that she just would turn it on. And she's like, don't worry about what just happened. Next point. And, and it, it made me think about Steffi at that same time, how they just they could just turn it on and understand the importance of moving on and not worrying about what just happened in the past. And I think great champions uh, do that so well. And, and their, and their refusal to lose, they hated losing more than they liked winning and everybody loves winning, but they hated losing. 
So yeah, there, there's so many comparisons, but I think just greatness doesn't come along very often. And those certainly with Serena and Steffi, greatness uh, in a bottle right there. That greatness was never more evident than at the Olympic Games. Venus has five medals, four golds, and a silver in a combination of singles, doubles with Serena, and mixed doubles. Serena has four gold medals, three in doubles, and one in singles. Well, so Renee, let's let's talk Olympics. Four-time Olympian. I kind of gave it away initially, but you forced me. Uh, but you're a four-time Olympian, and you, you consider... You know, what that takes to sustain a high level uh, over a period of time and how good Serena, how great Serena has been winning multiple Olympic medals, winning gold and singles in London. You know, how and and why do you think um, she could sustain such a high level at the Olympics with all the pressure and and just the different expectations um, that are there? Um, well, a couple of things. I think the main thing, Chanda, is that she loves winning, you know, and she loved representing the United States. Her and Venus did it so well through the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Venus actually technically has more medals than Serena. Yeah. She always right. one thing she'll have over Serena for the rest yeah. of their life. Venus has five. Serena has four. Right. Exactly. I mean, and V, and let me tell you something. V has never let go of losing that match in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> When I when it comes up, she still talks about it. Um, so you know that's the only blemish that it wasn't a gold; it was a silver. But um, mm-hmm. but you no, know, I think I think it's just wanting to win. Um, you, you and passion. You know, I have a little tattoo on my arm that says passion, and I think that the most important thing for anybody in life is that you've got to love what you do. And I think they love playing and they loved competing and they loved putting that medal around their neck and particularly together. And when they're on teams together, it was the greatest thing for them in the world to push each other and be, be as good as they were at the Olympics. And, and they loved it. There's another factor in play today, which Serena was fortunate enough to avoid for most of her career. That's the role of social media and the way it can affect players' results as well as their mental health. It's very hard now to escape the haters to blank out all the white noise of social media. Zena was forewarned about that issue when she was coaching Taylor Townsend and by none other than Serena herself. Well, you know, it's interesting because Serena mentioned to me when I was working with Taylor, just that whole thing. The next true champion is going to have to learn to deal with social media. And then, you know, that was when Simone Biles, you know, pulled out. And I thought about that. The social, those are things that we never had to deal with. And then she brought up that the last era was Roger, Nadal, and Serena that didn't have to deal with the social media part of it. Yeah, well, f- certainly for the first half of their career, there's no question. They were able to sort of deal with the pressure of the press, you know, those, yeah. those pesky press people that ask those very sometimes negative questions over and over and over and over and over and over. You know what I mean? It's like, and uh, I I watched, uh, Chanda and I talked about this yesterday. I watched uh, the documentary Weight of Gold. Please watch it. I've now watched it a couple of times and I wanted to sort of get into that mindset yesterday because I hate when the regular public um, who've never played a sport for a living, you know, throw their two cents in about what someone should be doing. Somebody said today that quitters don't quit talking about some own biles. I'm like, until you've done a flip onto a vault to do another triple flip and land on your feet, 
you have no rights to tell somebody that, you know, now has the feeling of she's lost control in the air, what they can do with their body and protect breaking their neck. And the same thing with Serena. Until you have walked in her shoes for two decades as the greatest player of all time, that every single time she walks onto the tennis court, she's supposed to win. Mm-hmm. And deal with that pressure for two decades, and you don't think your nerves can be a little shot, then you come and talk to me because mm-hmm. there is no way anybody can ever, ever say this is what you should be doing until you've walked in their shoes. Well, you also had the opportunity. Now you have the opportunity to watch so many matches. You know, as I know, you watch, you've always watched matches because, you know, you were the person to go to, you know, how do you play this person? I'm like, never even seen it. Renee always Chanda knew everybody, how you played them, you know. So watching so many matches, you know, from the Serena, from, from you know, she's been 20 years now. So break it down. How have you seen Serena improve? And then where she is now, what do you think she needs to do to get over the hump, if she will get over the hump? Well, I mean, listen, I'll be, you know, I'm going to be as honest as I can. And you guys know how much I love Serena. Um, And I just think that there was a point um, where her greatness was constant. It was undeniable. She had this sense of purpose every time she walked on the court that her greatness was not going to stop her from feeling the nerves, even though she was always nervous. We always are nervous walking on the court. And Serena being an emotional person was hard for her to control that constantly, you know, for, I think for over 20 years to be able to do that is quite phenomenal. Um, But, uh, and that's the part of tennis that people don't, or, or professional sports in general is controlling the emotional part of you. Um, The technical side is one thing and the game plans are one thing, but it's being able to, consistently control yourself under pressure is quite phenomenal. Um, And to be able to do that for decades, I just, I don't understand it. Um, But I think the most difficult thing for her now is controlling the, her mind going forward and her mind knowing that she's trying to accomplish that greatest of feats of passing the Margaret court record. I'm not going to hide it. She's not getting younger. You all know how it feels to, to, to play when you're a little older. You know the importance of every single year. Um, it's, you know, physically it's not as easy emotionally and your nervous system, it, it gets harder. I mean, look what Simone Biles is dealing with now. I mean, as soon as a negative thought comes into your head, it is hard to get rid of it. And when you're playing against women that are playing week in and week out under duressful situations every single week, it's hard for you just to walk into a grand slam now and turn it on like you used to and think you're going to, going to mow over the top of Mm -hmm. everyone for seven matches, maybe for one or two, but for seven matches. Now the depth of women's tennis from the first match to the last match is so much more difficult than it was 30 years ago. Um, So I mean, physically, it's gonna, it's become more difficult for her. Emotionally, it's become very difficult for her. And I, and I really think that above the 24 and trying to get to that mark, I think winning as a mom is just as meaningful for her now. So when you tie all of those importance to this record and winning as a mom, I think it's almost too much for her emotionally. And that's a normal occurrence. People might say, oh, you, you, what are you calling her weak? No, I'm calling her human. Human for sure. But there were so many of the other great players during the Serena era, and she outlasted all of them. 
She did start playing when Steffi was still playing. They played a few times, you know, so you think about that. You think about the fact that she was around, um, you know, during the Kim Clijsters, Justine Anna period, Emily Moresmo, uh, you know, the, the list was long. Jennifer Capriati. I mean, you yes. think about all the great champions yeah. that she played against that retired. I can tell you why they retired. Enough's enough, right? <laughs> Their nerves were shot. They didn't want to keep going anymore because it's, I don't think people understand how difficult it is day in and day out to physically put yourself through it and emotionally put yourself through it. And so at some point they were like, okay, I want to have a family. I want to move on with my life. I can't take this anymore. And Serena's still out there. So the specialty of someone like Serena doesn't come along very often. When you think about all the Moresmos, I mean, every, all these great champions at one slams during her period of time, the Maria Sharapova's, they all, they're all done now, you know, and Serena's still putting herself on the line. And that shows you the, the uniqueness of her greatness to go through all. And oh, there's probably 10 more that we can mention that I can't think of at the top of my head. So I think they pushed her to get better. And then they were like, okay, you know, that was my time and I want to move on. Whereas Serena kept wanting more and more and more and more. Renee had one additional insight for us regarding how Serena was able to keep her enthusiasm and a healthy mental frame of mind for so long. Serena knows how to have a good time. She always knew how to party. Serena sustained one of the more serious injuries of her career in 2010 after a party celebrating her win at Wimbledon, her 13th major title. Leaving a restaurant in Germany, she stepped on broken glass. She took 18 stitches and missed the next three majors. You know, I always said that Serena played the way, Serena lives the way she plays, you know, with just fire and love and passion and, and, and you know, being around Steffi, you know, her winning her Grand Slams, Steffi didn't really go out and enjoy herself. And one of the things that Steffi has told me is that she wished she would have um, enjoyed the wins more. And mm-hmm. I said, yeah, but you wouldn't have achieved what you did probably. But Serena enjoyed her wins. You know what I mean? Like she, she went out, she, you know, she'd have a drink or two and she lived, she, she would go and party sometimes. She'd be out at clubs. I mean, Serena lived and loved what she did and had the passion for having a good time. That's a good note on which to close this episode. We drilled down into the qualities in Serena that helped her maintain her mental equilibrium starting with the great advantage she enjoyed with her power and that magnificent serve. They provided a foundation that Serena could always rely on, even in those periods when she was forced to deal with struggles of a more personal nature. We heard top former pros describe how changes like the explosive growth of social media and the greater depth of field in the women's game have impacted tennis, presenting the players with ever greater challenges and obstacles. Not all of them were able to navigate the increased pressures and stresses that came along with those developments. Serena, though, never burned out. She never grew tired of the grind, partly because she had various strategies for dealing with it. Outside interest, taking time off, knowing how to have a good time, building a life outside the confines of the court. We hope you'll join us in our next episode and leave you with this final thought from Mary Jo Fernandez. 
I think she hates to lose more than she loves to win. I mean, she just wants to do whatever it takes to to get that W because that's how, you know, she's wired. I mean, she is competitive in everything. And yeah, she's just a winner. You know, we talk about this all the time about confidence and do you need to win to be confident or if you're confident, do you win? And I think with Serena, she's so confident um, and has such belief that that's why she's always won. That's why she wins so much. The Goat Serena was written by Pete Boda. This season is hosted by Zena Garrison and Chanda Rubin. Produced and directed by Mark Francis and Scott Waxman. Our consulting producer is Andrew Kalb. Production assistance from Anita Okoye. And our social media consultant is Stephen Tompkins. Original music by Andy Marvel. Our director of marketing and business development is Jacob Bronstein. Executive producers, Scott Waxman and Mark Francis. Special thanks to Oren Rosenbaum at UTA and Susan Canavan. Diversion Podcasts.